folks back here with uh andy jensen the the legend if you will editor, i'll let you roll with that managing editor alaska journal of commerce that's right um so it's friday and friday's with jensen I, i've stolen you from dave Steeren. borrowed a little bit yeah borrowed. well technically well yeah i mean i got bumped lisa murkowski's coming into the studio so i gotta give up half an hour of my radio yeah, time to for her. Lisa Mur- i know right i mean senator, u.s senator what's what's, what's going, on? going on yeah exactly so, so you're still on uh, Today, yeah, I'll be on Dave. like 4.30. Yeah, yeah. Not like Last this, though. You, you can say whatever the fuck you want on Landmine Radio. Pretty fucking right. See, there it is. <laughs> uh, so we did a podcast. Uh, it was cold when we did it. Yeah, I was and back was, in, uh, yeah, def- definitely snow on the ground back uh, around March or so, yeah. It was downtown uh, in the old K1R place we had on 4th Avenue. So. That's right. Yeah, it's been a while. Last time we had a little, it was a s- Saturday morning and we had a little bit of Booker's. That's right, yeah. We're at the little, uh, little diff- day drinking. different venue right now. No. I know. Here at the ADN office, I'm going to try to keep it a little bit more, you know, so you're drinking. So you're drinking a Sprite. Do you have anything just, in there? Just or? Sprite. Yep. Anything just in there? Sprite. Sprite's good, I as Sam Jackson would say. Love that. Um, so I want to catch up a lot of talk about, the, the first thing I want to talk about is your pretty scathing editorial piece uh, from last week. Which was made the rounds basically everywhere about yeah from uh, what I could tell yeah it kind of blew up all over the Twitter you sphere. S- you saw the analytics right? You probably saw how many views. Uh, I haven't checked on it yet, but I mean I, I know just from looking at uh, the amount of, of traffic I got around Twitter. I mean I think Nat Hers has got like I think there was a hundred something retweets on it. Yeah, I, like I that, put it so. in my column. I think other you know political. Buxton put it in Midnight Sun, uh, Friday in the Sun. So, so it definitely got a lot of circulation. So talk a little bit about it. The, the, the title was. Uh, the messianic arrogance of isolation, and then the Al Pacino. I gotta say, I love the Godfather and the the Pacino right. references. And you know, I went back and forth on including the, the the Godfather reference because I already had the Any Given Sunday, you know, framework of it. But uh, I, I ended up leaving in leaving it in there, and that was one part that got the, a lot of the traction. I, I liked what Maya, uh, I think Nolan observed on it. She said that's the meanest thing that one white guy can say to another is to. <laughs> What you say he was a, he was a mix of Fredo and, and Sonny and Sonny. yeah vindictive and incompetent yeah uh, so yeah. I went and I went kind of back and forth on that because you know if you if you remember how uh, Michael Corleone you know rose to power is you know he went ahead and just eliminated all of his rivals uh, directly and uh, that's at the end of the Godfather told, the first yeah, Godfather yeah, when they yeah, killed yeah, um, yeah, everybody killed all the the heads of the five families and then told Fredo at some point don't ever go against the family. You know, so so there's some of those tactics of Michael Corleone. I don't think we would want to see Dunleavy employ. Uh, but so even he, if he was so inclined, he doesn't seem like he could even competently execute that kind of strategy. If you even if he even if he wanted to. So, so you were talking about in that uh, was that more towards geared towards the the Corleone or the Godfather reference towards Tuckerman Babcock or just the whole thing? Well, the the combination of them because the way it, what, what led into that reference was was c- describing Tuckerman as I said. You know what I wrote was when when Dunleavy got elected. And when he picked Tuckerman as his chief of staff, this where we are now is what a lot of people were afraid of. The people who supported Dunleavy over Begich uh, and not for reasons of the PFD. You know, I think that people uh, I call them the Lisa Murkowski moderate Republicans. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how he, he the won. Catch a can type people. Right. And- I mean, Lisa, Lisa endorsed. She Dunleavy. did. Absolutely. She endorsed him. And, and, and so the, the pro-resource development crowd, I think, was so turned off by um, Mark Begich's support for the Stand for Salmon initiative because mm-hmm. they looked at that as pure pandering and uh, really kind of an abandonment of where he had been a pro-resource development person for his it, entire it, it, career it, as a public official. And so I think that swung a lot of those Murkowski voters who were skeptical of Dunleavy and you know a new baggage but so Dunleavy couldn't have won without those people and most yeah, people my, who are banning him right now my read on the baggage stand for salmon thing was was it was strange but my read on it was in a three-way race you know and i don't even think he probably agreed with it but in a three-way race you know that was pulling at about 40 some percent why not why not lock up that try to lock right. up that 40 he was exactly he was it was a pure pandering move while it was a three-way race and then when it became a two-way race, 
he was stuck with it and he refused to back down from his support from it and his explanations for supporting it were so convoluted yeah. and illogical uh, because he said, well, if it passes, I'll make sure it gets implemented correctly. Well, I mean, you a lot know, of people, which is, you know, it was it was just a really it was a, it was a pandering type movement. I think Beltrami even said this to, to some sort of union audience where he's where he like, yeah, we he doesn't really believe that. He's just saying that to try to get those voters. Well, uh, so but I think what we were getting to is that what I wrote about Tuckerman was that he was not just chief of staff, chief of staff, but as a wartime consigliere. Mm-hmm. And that's what led into the the Godfather reference. Yeah, I mean, I, I know so many folks who voted for Dunleavy, Republicans or, or independents. Um, some because of the crime issue, and many because of just they they wanted you know research, conservative resource development, and didn't like baggage for some some reason or the other. And and I think some were holding their nose, but some, some were just well, you know what? I'm going to give this guy a shot. Right. I, I think um, it's gonna it's gonna work out. We'll see what happens, you know, hope, hoping right. for the best. And the the biggest fuck up, I think for me, was the start of of, of the the letters. The, Before the, he even got sworn in. Yeah, the, exactly. The, the, the loyalty stuff, call it what you want, but mm-hmm. the because because I had written a piece after the, the specifically about the prosecutors. Before that, in August, September of that year, I was working on a piece, talking to several prosecutors who were talking to me, and if they're talking to me, Something's wrong, and they were very concerned about morale and issues with with being able to um, go after certain people who were getting let go, and they were spending all this time because you know some of the crime pro- criminal provisions, right. and they, they they were very kind of frustrated, and and they were talking to me about low morale, and and I'm not making this up. Many of them told me, you know what, let's just wait because we feel like things are going to be different if Dunleavy wins because he said all the crime stuff exactly, and I know right. many prosecutors who. I would con- describe as probably progressive type or de- Democrats who voted for him mm-hmm. because they were like, we want to get this crime issue resolved. And this guy is talking about that. And instead of embracing that and going to meet with those people, those prosecutors and having a win, he goes and does. I mean, these are lawyers, right? These aren't like was- people who are just going to ro- bend over when somebody says do something or roll over. Right. It's, and that was what it was. It was exactly. And that was a pure Tuckerman move and it was completely unnecessary and i wrote a column way back then that was sort of like hey you know governor you're the governor for all of alaska you're not just governor of the people who voted for yeah. you you're not just the governor of people from the valley you're 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 the governor of people who disagree with you as well and putting in somebody like tuckerman who is so rabid and so when it all costs and who doesn't even win a lot when you really look at his track record of how he's, you know, Dude, led the he, state he, Republican You know, he party. was involved with Lindauer's campaign. He was a campaign manager for fucking Lindauer. Oh, no, I didn't know anything about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You, you know about him, but, right? 98, the, the Republicans. No, I mean, the no, Republicans I abandoned. 2010, so I don't always remember every, you know, the, I, I was here the in inside old, baseball. Oh, stuff. four, but yeah, the yeah. Lindauer, the Republicans mm-hmm. abandoned him after the primary and mm-hmm. ran somebody else. Late, oh, late, later, it was found out some references to that. Yeah, His wife was legally financing his campaign with mob money. Because they wanted to open a trash business in Alaska from it's Chicago. It's with the trash business in the mafia. They love it, man. It? So, yeah. That's, that's, and then in 94, when he was doing the redistricting, he tried to draw himself out of the area that he had lost two elections to from people to. Wow. And the courts were like, you can't, what? I'm not, I'm not planning on running again. Well, so in other words, Tuckerman's got a long and poor... I think track record and that whole thing with the letters before he's even sworn in gets you off on the wrong foot with everybody because you know and if you think about it like hey you're coming in yeah you know there's probably some people in the administ- the previous administration that you're not going to keep uh, which is what? perfectly you let, fine you let that work itself out yep. you come in you get the lay of the land you sort of see who's on board who's not on board or whatever and you can and you can do this quietly and just say all right yeah we're, we're gonna let you go or, or whatever and you don't just stand up and, and wave we demand you to affirmatively say yes i want to work uh especially to, especially to lawyers right who are very you know who becomes lawyers you know stern people people who aren't you know they, they, they argue for a living you know they're not just gonna say oh okay sure i mean a lot of them signed it because they had to, because they have families and you know they have a job. Right. And, you know now 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 you're going into a place where you have a lot of. Somebody told me once in politics, you never do a negative unless you get something out of it. You never right, you never go for a negative. He got that, all he got was he ruined his first, I guess honeymoon period. Right. Where got, everybody yeah. and their brothers. Start, I wrote about it. I, and I said this is a mm-hmm. missed opportunity to work with these. Anyway, so there was that, and then there was um, the API thing, which was. Just, right. Well, you know, and, and of course, in the declaration of emergency was appropriate 
changing out the management was 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 an appropriate thing. It wasn't done to save money and the lo- where they're you know the long term goal where where this has been discussed about privatizing these facilities, uh, but in doing it with the open ended nature of the contract again, where people were saying yes, there is an emergency. We don't mm-hmm. think there's anything wrong with bringing in some people right now to try to get things under control. But then the open-ended nature of the contract was an unforced error. And, and then some of well. these, you know, this, again, I think this is mostly go back to Tuckerman, the Art Chan stuff, right. the Jonathan Quick stuff, right? The other 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 people who were appointed to just bizarre, bizarre people. basic failures of background checking. You know, the, where where you're not even looking at somebody's social media page which is the easiest thing to check that every employer does now. The first thing they do when they get an application is they go find your, your social media page and see what kind of a online yeah, gotta, personality gotta, that gotta, you have. I'm fucked. <laughs> well, you found a way to make a living at it. So I'm trying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, trying to, to find a, a way. At it, yeah, yeah. We're working on it. Um, uh, but no, it's just, it's just been kind of one screw up after another, you know, just going even down to, you know, and then the budget rollout, you know, look at what happened from the way he rolled that budget out. The bipartisan coalition formed the very next day. They had been sitting around going back and forth for a month, couldn't get organized. I was, I was down there. And the catalyzing event that to, where that turned the legislature against him was the budget that he put out. And, and, and you know, it's one thing to, to put out a budget, you know, because you have to do a budget. You're governor. Right. But just, I think that it was a failure to explain it and communicate right. it to not just Alaskans, mm. But legislators, you've got to get, you've got to gather the buy-in before you roll out something like that. You've got to have some people in the loop. You know, when when Senator Murkowski was in here for an Ed Board uh, meeting with with us, and she found out about the budget at the same time everybody else did when it rolled out that morning. You know, they had not been coordinating. And Tuckerman can't stand Lisa. We know that. Yep. And so, but there had been no outreach to their legislative, their their congressional liaison office in in D.C. I, that, I, that's supposed to be working with your your federal delegation to make things happen for you down there. And she doesn't even get the courtesy of, Hey, this is what I'm rolling out. Especially when there's that much federal money that's at stake in, I, in, in the reductions in the, in the Medicaid funding in particular, it was, it, it was bizarre. You know, I, and these I are remember, unforced errors. That's what's really frustrating about it. They're unforced errors. They're not just, and they're not just rookie mistakes. You know, they, they go down to a sort of an insular. And that's why I wrote the, the title, this arrogance of isolation. You know, they take the fact that they're really on an Island as proof that they're right. Every tower, every tower. Instead of thinking of it like, you know, there's I'm leading, but nobody's following me, and not do any sort of self reflection about what I could be maybe doing wrong or what I could do better, and they've just consistently failed to learn from their mistakes, you know, going on and on until right to the to the present day, they're still making the same mistakes, and I guess we'll see how this shakeup goes, where because now Tuckerman is is of course gone as chief of staff, and we'll see how that goes. I mean, I think that if you consider Ben Stevens and the his family history. I think Ben knows would, and should know how to make a deal and how to just deal with people a little better. He's, 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 he was Senate president. I talked to John Harris recently. I'm actually working on a piece about Ben Stevens right now, but I mean, I talked to people that I have a great deal of respect for Lida green, Ralph Samuels, mm-hmm. um, you know, Donnie Olson. Uh, and you know, they all say that this, you know, he's, he's, he's no nonsense. He can be a, be, be a bit of a dick, but he knows how to make deals and he knows how to navigate mm-hmm. the relationships in that building. So, Assuming he really does have the control, he, he would need is and I don't think a guy like that would take that job. It'd be without, like me taking the job. Being in control, it'd yeah. be like me being taking a job of managing somebody's communications and being told <laughs> I have to run everything by some fucker in the corner that has to approve everything. I right. wouldn't do that in right. a million years. Right. Has there ever been less return on a on a government contract than what what he's paying for for communications? Strategy. I don't understand that. I mean, I, I mean I it's, it's, it. it's, it's crazy. I mean, like, look, this this whole issue that's that's now emerged today, where we now know that Dunleavy had a surgical procedure where he had some some skin yeah, so I, issues I, removed, and he has this giant, you know, scar, uh, I was, uh, scar stitches. popping out of the stitches, you know, on the side of his face that they photoshopped out of the photo they sent out the other day. Well, they, they so they, in the in the email you had a Flickr link to a Flickr, and that picture wasn't there, but on the Facebook page, right. they must have accidentally uploaded the other picture which wasn't photoshopped and i got somebody alerted me to it and i said no no way i said this is not right so i go check i go holy shit yeah and this guy's got a scar and the other one you could see where he was further back with everybody mm-hmm. you could even still see it but right. the other one very clear so i put on twitter i said i mean am i seeing things i mean this this is on this facebook page mm-hmm. two pictures same same day same people same everything's same right one's photoshopped yeah so my question is what else are they photoshopping I mean, it's just exactly. like, you know, and that's, and it's so like Stalin, and, and he used so to take they, people they, out of the pictures and they straight up. Yeah, they, exactly. And they it, straight up admit it now in his own Twitter page today where he said, my staff says I look better touched up. 
I mean, and, and this just goes, I mean, what's a better opportunity to just get some easy kind of goodwill? You know, you have the procedure done, you post a picture about it and say, hey, I had to have this done just out of, uh, you know, abundance of caution. You know, we'll see Alaskans, you know, you know, if you're worried about anything, you should get checkups. You should make sure everything is good. You it's know, been, that's it's been a hot year, a lot of sun, wear sunscreen. Get, yeah. And then you could, then you could get to just the instant kind of goodwill. Oh, hey, get well soon, governor. Hope everything's all right. Blah, 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 blah. You just generate a nice little positive vibe or whatever. But instead, what do they do? They Photoshop it. They hide it. Then they make the media the accomplices because everybody ran that photo that was Photoshopped. And that's a huge no-no in the media business. You don't, you know, don't do alterations like that. And everybody ran it without really realizing it was Photoshopped. Remember when Bill Walker had prostate cancer yeah. operation and yeah. he came out with it, right. upfront about it, honest, use it as a moment, raise some awareness right. about the exactly. issue of prostate cancer? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm Regular screening caught this. You know, everybody should make sure you're getting your regular screenings, that sort of thing. And then, you know, even Walker's political opponents said, hey, no, we're pulling for him. We hope he's okay, we, you know, this time, blah, 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 blah. And they just missed a golden opportunity to just have some people who are not his friends politically to say, hey, get well soon, Governor. We're, you know, we hope you're okay. And everybody else, make sure to get checked out if you have any issues. Yeah, or something. But instead, they, they create this non-issue or they create an issue out of something that could have been a little one day blurb and now there's going to be stories written about how they're photoshopping you know blemishes or scars or stitches or whatever you know and what so what else are they doing what else are they touching up before they're, they're who, who's out? doing is it somebody internal are they are they outsourcing i mean I, there's a lot I of mean, and whose idea was it to to, to put the the how, kid how, how about the, the, the kid Chewy, the, chewy's chewy's son yeah. chewbacca's son yeah which i yeah. which i who got paid to say that's a great idea so, so what i told people <laughs> was so if you didn't see the interview there's an interview with a bowl of oranges very odd yeah um dunlavy and a kid the kid says i i reached out to you and i was shocked you responded to me and you got back to me to meet with me answer some questions and and I, and I was told by somebody, um, that's Chewbacca's son with a picture. I said, holy mm. shit. And then I remembered that kid, actually, when she was going through confirmation mm. hearings, he spoke, Bert Stedman called him up on the Senate oh, Finance really? Committee. <laughs> that's awesome. To, to say, you know, should we vote for your mom? And he was there in a few other meetings. Mm. Um, so his parents both work for Dunleavy. They both make a mm. combined almost $300,000. Mm. And he's this quote unquote random kid. Right. So somebody had to have the idea and then had to, discuss it and then yeah. somebody said oh that's a good idea and then yeah. they filmed the interview yeah and then they said oh let's put it on the internet yeah and then let's not disclose any of this stuff we're gonna we're gonna actively hide this from from people and see if we can get away with it I, it's it's unbelievable i mean if anything should be recalled it should be that contract so when you wrote your article your opinion piece a lot of people have been very critical of you know dermot cole he's very progressive and mm -hmm. buxton even me i've, I've been very open about, you know, some of the decisions and I've, for a long time, mm -hmm. the prosecutors and the letter and Tuckerman and, and the stuff with Domboski. Um, but, but, you know, you, you're a very well-known conservative. You didn't, I mean, you said a few things about, I think the one thing you said back with the pro, you wrote about the prosecutors, right? Didn't you? Well, the letters? I, mean, I wrote a column back, you know, when the whole thing, before he got sworn in, uh, when the whole thing with the letters was blowing up in the news and it was just sort of a kind of a, sort of a gentle sort of nudge, like, Hey, governor, you know, be the governor for everybody. Don't everybody's right. everybody's thinking you're going to be this hyper partisan. When you hire somebody like Tuckerman, it's like a signal you're going to be some of this hyper partisan governor who's only going to uh, pander or try to serve the people who voted for you and not everybody or not recognize that you do have an obligation to take meetings with people you don't agree with, to take meetings with stakeholders and that. And and it was just like, hey, you're the governor for, for everybody now. So this is you have a chance to to actually deliver on that. And he has just completely fall, uh, fallen down on so, that so effort, this... or if he even tried. I mean, I think Tuckerman prevented, if even if he was so inclined to be more, to try to have a little bit more of a broad appeal, I think Tuckerman has really sort of insulated him and shut every, anybody with a dissenting. Yeah, I, I think what they don't realize, um, some, some of the very partisan people over there, you know, and I've been very honest, I go back, I ran for Senate in 2012, Mike ran in 2012, we both ran against people in the coalition. Uh, he won, I lost, but I got to know Mike over the years, and I, I actually like Mike Donnelly a lot. He's a very smart person, he's very educated. We've had over the years many, many, many conversations. But before he you know, became this guy running for governor, it was very easy to get a hold of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't think he's the monster that he's being portrayed as. But be, just because I like Mike right. doesn't mean I'm not going to write about these dumb things. That True. Are and just because I, you know, and because he's, he's not wrong in that spending has to be reduced. And that's what's really frustrating for me and for I think for other people who have been banging the drum about we've got to start, we've got to cut spending, is that the way he's gone about this has just shredded 
the ability to cut spending because of the way he's gone about it, try to do it all in one lump and then uh, trying to get a $3,000 dividend all in one year. And I remember the rug out from under people where, where there's a step down way with four budgets he had to work with that he could have put out a four year plan. He could have said, look, I'm, we're going to, we're going to whittle this stuff down over the next four years and either legislature, you can write the budget this way, or I'm going to veto X amount from university. If you want to cut $130 million, I'm going to cut 30 million a year for the next four years. I'm ferry system. I want to cut 70 million. I'm going to cut 20 million a year for the next four years. So you can either yeah, that, get on that board. Gone, that would have gone over much. Um, I mean, I remember you would have got buy-in. You wouldn't have just been just uh, making everything so abrupt. You know, some of these things like, you know, Medicaid dental services. You know, if he wanted to phase that out, he could have said, look, I'm going to reduce the amount for this, the, the line item instead of just zeroing it out. Cause that's why he, and so he has no high ground to talk about respect for the law, follow the law, because the only law he apparently believes must be followed is the PFD formula. He doesn't, yeah, think, that's, that's, he doesn't, he doesn't think the POMV formula should be followed. Uh, and it's based on this weird. Well, definition ocean, ocean, of, ocean Rangers, they vetoed ocean Ranger yeah, funding. Which is in that's law. still in the law. The yeah, ocean Ranger program. senior benefits. That's in the law. Uh, all, all these things and where, but, and, and even, you know, there was a, um, this argument he's almost sort of made that, that some laws are more legitimate the older they are. Yep. Where the, where the PFD has been around for 37 years and SB 26 has only been around for a year. So he's fine with ignoring SB 26 because it's a year old, but the PFD formula, because it's older, that, that, should be, be followed. That, that'd so be a great argument for like the end of segregation, you know? <laughs> well, it's been around for a, le- for a long time. Exactly. So, like, so, so he has no real high ground to talk about rule of law and follow the law when he himself is not following the law when it comes to appropriation. Well, there was also the 45, and that's part of the recall thing, but the 40, he didn't follow the, the law the right. stat, on the 45 days for right. the judge. Right, and where he can cite the exact same reasoning that the legislature does when, when, yes, the Constitution says I must appoint somebody from this list or whatever, but the Constitution doesn't say how many days. That's in the statute, right? So that's the same thing the legislature is relying on with the PFD. Yep. Well, yeah, the statute says this is how we calculate it, but the Supreme Court said it's just an appropriation you don't have to follow that formula. So everybody's kind of picking and choosing what laws they want to follow. You know, Jennifer Johnson banging, you know, saying we have to follow this law on the POMV. At the same time, they're ignoring the law on the PFD formula. Yeah, that's a good so, point. So right. everybody is, is on every side of this, from the governor to the Democrats, the Republicans, minority, majority, they're all picking and choosing what laws they want to follow. It's just this chaos that's going on right now that's just un, it's unsustainable, it's untenable. For this to go on. I mean, the Supreme Court, I think, made a huge mistake when they ruled on the PFD, because if the PFD formula is not binding, they should have struck the law down. As you can't bind a future legislature on this formula, so it's in conflict with the I mean, Constitution. I, 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 so we'll I strike guess, it down. Because the, then the, we wouldn't have this fight. It would well, totally be an ad hoc appropriation. And I spent the last you know session in June, I've been covering this for a while, mm-hmm. but I mean, essentially what, what the kind of the, the rule is, is if you have 21 and 11, you can kind of do whatever you want. Right. You know, Except outside of the Constitution, the CBR. outside yeah, of the yeah. you know, mm-hmm. a couple things. But what I was going to say is w- one thing that I recall just very vividly. I was in a Senate finance meeting, and this is kind of when I knew shit was really bad. It was a Senate finance meeting. It was after the budget was rolled out, maybe a week or two later. And Donna Arduin, um, you know, the zebra coat lady, was, uh, was there uh, testifying about the budget. And they were talking about the transfers of the property taxes, oil and gas taxes, the fisheries landing taxes from the state or the city levels, municipal mm-hmm. levels to the, to the state. Mm-hmm. And Machiki, Senator Machiki, said, you know, I was mayor of Soldatna. We, we spent years trying to reduce our budget, balance our budget, um, and we've, we've done a lot of things over the years to get, th- get our budget in line. And what you're proposing is take a bunch of this money that we rely on. Also, we have federal mandates about cleaning up oil spills that we have to fund. Mm-hmm. And, and now you're telling us you're going to take all this money and we have to kind of figure it out. Like, what can, you know, can you basically talk about that? Can you... Give us explanation. Mm-hmm. Give give us your your thinking. You know what you said? No. Well, that's a level city level problem. We don't deal with that. That's not our problem. It's, it's your problem. I mean, literally said like that's not something we look at. We're you're you're that's your problem. Yeah. And that's when I that's, was like, wow, this the, is this is legit. The, the tone deafness, and then he and then and then he wonders why he oh, he can only rely on what sixteen members. In the legislature, yeah, and Peter's that's, like that's, that's, he's that's like it, a born again PFD guy, right? You know? So it's, and and so to and the thing is, and there's I think there's a you I think there's a conversation that you could have if you looked at say the North Slope Borough and what they collect from the oil infrastructure because they're about to be reaping a major windfall from NPRA. So when yeah, they get like uh, a half when, a billion dollars, they're, they're going to be getting. I mean, it could be when Willow comes online combined with 
CD5, GMT1, and GMT2, you combine all that, you could be potentially getting maybe $100 million a year in NPRA royalties through the 50% royalty. So I think that it wouldn't be unreasonable to say, hey, we're going to step down the amount of property tax you can collect, and that goes to the general fund because you are going to be reaping this huge windfall from the but NPRA royalty. Again, so a, I step, think, again there, a step down, not, not a one-and-done. There could have been a conversation that could have been had like we're – because the state's not going to get any of this money from NPRA, this, the 50-50 split. 50 goes to the feds, 50 goes to the local communities. So the state's not going to get royalty income from NPRA. You'll get production tax revenue, and, and of course, they'll get the property tax revenue and the corporate, you know, those, those, those sort of things. They'll make money from those projects, but the, the North Slope Borough and those seven communities are going to reap a windfall. So I think you could have said, hey, it's not really reasonable for – all of this to go to seven communities when it's, you know, a state, you know, we have a statewide revenue problem. But it, but instead they just think, we're, well, we're just going to introduce a bill to repeal that. Sorry. Yeah, going nowhere. <laughs> and and ASRC know? endorsed him. So they did all these things where <laughs> they were impossible, but they put them out there anyway uh, with like no regard for the, the chances that it had of passing or anything. And it would be one thing, I guess, if you said this is our negotiating position is our opening offer and then we're gonna end up coming together and meeting in the middle and then there really wasn't any of that and it turned off the legislature so much that they completely organized against him and it frustrated him at every turn the, the, the other um and you, you're i'm sure you're aware of this the other bigger issue at play is the the um instability that's been created by these proposals in this budget and people and the people want the dividend and people want the services is is it's kind of no secret they're working on some folks are working on a ballot initiative for to change oil taxes. Right. They might even change them next year in the session. Yeah. And you know I've always said this for a long time. Our biggest problem is ourselves when it comes to always changing the fucking system every right. five or ten years. Right. And it's instability and it's uncertainty and it's it's not even so much. I mean the amounts matter, but but really, what also matters. I mean if you tax somebody to death, they're going to leave. But it's what's going to change in five or ten years when a lot of these projects take five or ten years to right. get online. And, it's, and we have it's projects gonna, that are in development right now and, and it's that gonna, are based on the current structure. And it's like he got support by business people, oil and gas people, and now they are, I'm sure they're sitting looking at this thing like, man, here we go again. Right. Round they're, two, they're, they're round coming, three, yeah, round five, yeah, round ten. Coming, yeah, they're going to be coming back to the oil industry to fix the budget problem. And I think that that's one thing where I think the oil industry should certainly be worried and that if the $3,000 dividend is not paid this year and it doesn't this point look like it's going to be uh that without that three thousand dollar dividend that there's a big overlap between the people who want the three thousand dollar dividend and would be perfectly fine with taking that money from the oil industry in order to get i was at that so the oil industry i think you know needs to certainly and and of course they're always aware you know when these things are are boiling and bubbling up because the math is too easy for a guy like wilikowski it's like hey if we didn't have this 1.2 billion in the per barrel credit system put that into our general fund boom Budgets balanced. Which, 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 which I tell people they, they shouldn't use the word credit because mm-hmm. it's not like a cash credit. It's a deduction. Based well, te- on, no, well, actually, it is a credit because it's, it's dollar for dollar. Right, but uh, it, we're which, not handing out cash true, like like exploration credits. True. And it's you know, a deduction based on a price per barrel of right. But in but in in tax terminology, uh, a deduction is where it's a percentage of. So you might you could write down thirty five percent out of a hundred thousand dollars in spending. So you, so that'll end up reducing mm-hmm. your burden by thirty five thousand dollars or something. So that's a deduction. A credit is where it's a dollar for dollar. So in the in the per barrel system on the North Slope, the way it works is the t- the tax is calculated, and then the eight dollars, seven dollars, six dollars, or whatever comes off of that based on the price. Yes, but or based on that. Yeah, based because on because there's an alternative minimum so tax, is, at, right? At, and at that's the, when yeah, it's, it's at um, it's a, there's a gross minimum of four percent. Yeah, based on wherever which whatever collect more revenue. So if the four percent gross will collect more, it applies. But once it crosses a certain a certain point, then the net uh, system kicks I, in. I, I guess when you say credit, because for a long time we had the right. exploration credits, yes. which were the cash credits, right. which were still owed. People still have, conflate yeah, those yeah. two things. Yes, they do. They do. And, so, and it's easy to like say, oh, it's a credit. So it's people a... think that they're actually giving them a check. When they're not giving them a check, um, it is accurate to say that it's foregone revenue. Uh, that's not that's not inaccurate to say. Um, and in the statute, it is called a credit. So there is, it's, uh, they are on sound ground. And you know, people will conflate the two and feel like, well, no, we're writing them these checks. And I think where it's going to be interesting to see is what level or what change the oil industry might be willing to go along with to avoid a ballot initiative that would fully repeal the per barrel credit 
system. Well, I heard the initiative is more complex. I heard what I'm hearing is it's actually not just uh, repealing the per barrel credit. It, it, it is um, changing the whole entire well, I system. guess we'll we'll see on that. Which, if, it, which, if it's you know, and that's the thing. Well, if it's changing the entire system, I think it'll 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 have trouble passing. If it is a a simple, very simple, because you could do that in one sentence on a ballot. I initiative. think per, I think this this section of the per barrel credit in SB twenty one is hereby repealed. I think repealing the per barrel credit equates to depending on the price of oil, somewhere between a twenty and forty percent tax increase. Yeah, depending on where you know the price of oil is, uh, but I which think is like imagine that if you're you know in any industry. Yeah, there's, you know, and the thing, and this is where I think the oil industry certainly should be aware of what, and, and again, I know that they are aware of what's going on, but when the when the per barrel system, when that whole thing was proposed, the original per barrel credit was five was five dollars. That was what was in the original version of the legislation. And we also, you know, and back then in 2013, we were at $100 oil, $100 plus oil. So, and it was considered that anything, if it fell into the $80, sub $80 range, that that would be just a disaster. So the, so the credits are bigger there and then they step down as the price goes up. So we're at this, what people thought was sort of a new normal of $100 oil. And the corporate tax rate was 35% in 2013 so the federal tax yeah yeah exactly so the federal corporate tax rate was 35 percent back then so the, and the oil industry and it was a very solid talking point because it was true you had the added benefit of being true in that the state always made more money at every price point than the companies do well now since the corporate tax cut has been passed 20 what is it, 20, 21 yeah so it's gone from 35 percent to 21 percent now they are actually making more money than the state at the current price because we're at sub 70. So we're still in an $8 per barrel credit. They've drastically cut their costs up on the North slope because under ACES, the incentive was to spend more. It's called gold plating because the only way they could really reduce their tax burden under ACES was to spend as much as they could. Yeah, cap, on cap, each, cap, yeah. Capital spend. Yeah. yeah. So they're, so they, they, yeah, they have nothing to do with lease oil. Producing oil. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, and there was, a, there was a 20% credit under ACES that was adding up to, I think it was, it was getting close to like a billion dollars a year was the ACEs credits. Uh, so that, and that was one thing that Parnell talked about when they got, when they were pushing for SB 21. It's like, we're, we're paying out, we're on target to pay out a billion dollars in these credits under ACEs next year. We've got to reform that. And so the, so the per barrel credit was put in so that you didn't get the tax break unless you produced a barrel because there was a lot of stuff going on up there. You could pave a runway and get 20% back. Well, that does nothing to actually increase production yeah i mean i i, I so, hate to so, so that's i mean and that's so there was there was good reasons for why they did certain things but i think what you know where there i think there could be some momentum for a very simple fix would you go from eight to five take it to five dollars I, 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 I hate to say this because i don't i just hate we change the damn thing every mm, five or right, ten years but right. it would just I, I just i've always kind of thought it'd be so nice if we're ever going to change it again you know why can't it just be you know at this price, we get this much. At this price, I right. mean, just simple, right? Which you know? and that, we, and we, get, we get a percentage of the of the price of the barrel mm -hmm. plus the royalty. I mean, right? Why does it have to be so fucking complex? Well, All, yeah, every and, time it's complex, and that's where tax policy always veers between. Do you want to do a gross tax or, yeah, on, not, the, on the right. on the on the on the on the well or on the on the price that you're that you're receiving? You take a gross because that's going to end up being a, a smaller number percent wise, but a net, you know, because the, the, I think the net rate under SB 21 tops out around 35% of the net value of the oil. So there's always this debate between net versus gross and which one's, which one's better, which one's more predictable, that sort of thing. Cause you're still going to have systems of deductions and, and everything. So either one's going to be complex in some ways. Um, but I, I don't think it's unreasonable to look at the per barrel credit cause you could just change eight to five and that would be the change. And that would generate additional revenue to the state immediately. It wouldn't really kill the oil companies because they've cut their their their. Well, their, I think next year they might cost by so much. They might do that next year. It, they might be, just look at that's, it. That's and, where I think that they're because I think the alternative is going to be something like putting something on the ballot to say, "Hey, we're giving away one point two billion dollars to the oil companies. If you if you vote yes to repeal this, then you're going to get your full PFD and the budget's going to be down. It's going to be that, a very simple kind of campaign." That's going to be very difficult to counter. I was at that rally three weeks ago at the LIO after the vetoes came out. And I was outside where there was way more people outside than inside. And I witnessed a conversation of two people. One was a very hardcore PFD kind of person, you know, pro PFD person. Other one was a very hardcore kind of save our state uh, services, mm -hmm. no vetoes. So they're, they're very different politically, mm -hmm. you know. 
and they're arguing about that. They were being rude, but they were just kind of mm-hmm. going back and forth. And, you know, it was like, we can't, you know, sacrifice services for a dividend. And it's like, dividends and statute, that's my royalty, blah, blah. You know, it's mineral rights, which person probably has no mineral. And anyway, so they're going back and forth. And then the the Save Our State type progressive person mm-hmm. said, well, you know, if we could just get that $1.2 billion from the oil industry, we could, we could all be, you know, we could all get what we want. Dude looks at her and goes, well, we can agree on that. And they fucking shook hands. Yeah. That's when I realized. There's an overlap. There it is. There's a big overlap among populist type folks that uh, there's the overlap of the people between the people who want the full PFD and then the people who want to tax oil. And I think there's a big overlap between those folks. And so I think that you can definitely appeal to the full PFD crowd with the repeal or whatever, which I think just repeal the credits would be much simpler than trying to put an entire well, new tax I don't even think bond I don't even think bonds should be in the, because like, nobody reads them. Right. Who really who reads them? I think there should be a bonding committee or somebody to really recommend mm-hmm. here's what we think we should do. Right. But but I don't even think bonds should be on the fucking ballot, let alone a complex right. tax change. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, I mean and that's why the stand for salmon initiative uh I think went down. I mean, it's like an 8-page piece of legislation on the ballot. You know, yeah, you I really remember I, th- I mean if I was reforming the initiative process, I'd put a word count on it like if you can't if if you cannot show what you're doing and say 200 words 300 words 400 words something like that if it won't fit on one page then it's too complex yeah, the, the, for the, the ballot the, the other thing is uh if it does if something passes they can't they can't fuck with it for two right. years which is you know it's kind of interesting why the whole per diem thing last year right that was going to be on the ballot and so the and which would have passed probably you know 120,000 to 60. Yeah, the the, F, the ethics. You know? uh, yeah, yeah the, so that's probably only been like 60 votes in favor uh, against it. You know, and it would have been 60. You know, yeah, <laughs> which 60? I wonder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, maybe 59 since it was Gren's bill, but uh, but so in order to keep it from being on the ballot where they wouldn't have been able, they would have had to follow it for two years. They passed something yeah. substantially similar, similar, similar bill. So so that it, it doesn't go up on the ballot, and then the very next year they ignore it. And pay themselves the per diem anyway. I mean, that's no. the, where the legislature. You know, I, people I, talk about Dunleavy disregarding the law. The legislature is doing this left and right I, I, I all have, year I, long. I, and I, I understand that. And I, I believe me, I I'm, understand your point, And I'm not even disagreeing with you. But I also have mixed feelings on that because I was in Juneau, and we, you know, we have a citizen legislature, mm-hmm. and I, I saw how expensive it is to be there and to get a hotel room or to get an apartment. Mm-hmm. And um, we, you know, we expect people to go down there for three months or four right. months or five months or six right. months and then say, well, you know, you know, you can't get, I mean, it's not the but, fault of all of them. They can't pass no, a budget. That's I mean, true. It, but we also, yes, yeah, we also expect them to get their job done right. in a certain amount of time. And they're authorized to take their per diem for that full 121 days. The whole point of saying you don't get per diem if you don't get the budget done on time was to incentivize them to get the budget done I, on I, time. And, I, and I'm saying and I agree so with that. I agree I, with that. And, and so, and that's where the, the legislature has, you know, they're, they're just equally at fault with a lot of this, dysfunction that's going on on, down there. On a much more, and I've said this for a long time, on a much more broad level, um, fundamentally, I think, and I can't imagine this would ever gain traction, I think we should pay legislators $150,000 or more. Uh, Like Singapore pays their MPs a lot. Mm. No per diem, no other jobs. You get a good salary. You work full, it's a full-time job. And, you know, when you're done, you have to wait six months or a year to go Mm. work somewhere in industry, Mm. you know. And and, and you'll, because I know so many people who would want to run. Who are like fifty thousand, right? And and I have to go to Juno, mm-hmm. and I have to, I can't work for three or four or five months. I mean, yeah, the, there's not the, a lot of people who can do that. The pool yeah. of applicants is yeah. So I've always said we should pay them one hundred and fifty. There's and, uh, you know there's all kinds of ways. I mean there's you know there's some states where the legislature only meets every two years. That's true. You know there's other. I think somebody was telling me about it, it might have been Wyoming or, or one of those one of those states like that where under their rules of the legislature. No bills can be heard until the budget is approved. So there's no screwing around with any other personal, you know, uh, pet project well, legislation or whatever. That's a good idea. That that nothing else can be done. No hearings on any other bills. No nothing until the budget's done. Once the budget's done, then you can go into your name and your post offices and your crime reform and all that other kind of stuff. But until the budget's done, nothing else can be taken. Some up. some states have two year budgets. I, I think yeah. people have said, you know, are much bigger state, different challenges and here and there. And I can kind of understand that, but I mean, something has to be, I don't know, this PFD thing has to get resolved. This formula. Right. I mean, this is that we cannot every year do this. It yeah. just can't be. Sustainable. And that's where I've, you know, unfortunately coming around to that. Something's going to have to go in the constitution 
because well, what do we keep talking about? How no, if, if it's not in the Constitution, we don't have to do it is what has been sort of established. You know, that, that the governor says we don't have to follow SB 26. It's only a year old. It's a law, but it's only a year old law. The legislature says, well, the Supreme Court says we don't have to follow PFD. Or, yeah, the law says the governor can call the special session to the location. But we don't think that's really actually constitutional. And so we're going to go do our own thing. Uh, so I think it's going to have to come around to where you're going to have to put it, something regarding the PFD. And I think combine it with a spending cap and put it in the Constitution. I, because otherwise, this fight will continue year after yeah, year yeah. there's no real resolving it because and especially when you've got a governor who who you know believes that it's the single most important thing that the state can do I mean, it, it, it clearly, clearly can't be the the current formula in the constitution that's not sustainable i mean i think that you it's know because a lot of people have said you know hey do it 50 50 like okay but see if you want to do if you want people to accept 50 50 which is less would generate less than the current formula I think a couple grand then, or something. well it'd be like 2300 versus 3000 i've heard 60 40 i've like heard 35 65 right but i think the only way you would ever get people to approve it would be if it's 50 50 i don't think if it's 60 government 40 pfd that'll go down in flames but if you can if you can rally the ghost of Jay Hammond and fifty fifty plan or something like that, and you can get the PFD defenders to say, well, you know, fifty fifty, okay, that sounds fair. You're going to have to put a spending cap in the constitution my, as well. My, my issue is always, and I'll you know, say it now. I mean, if you put something to the vote of the people, they're always going to vote for more money for themselves. That's, that, that, that's just you know, I mean, that, that's, that's the downfall, downfall that's of, of democracy. True, is when you can where, vote yourself. But at least this way, you could at least make the pitch like, hey, we're guaranteeing the dividend in the Constitution. This, and it's a 50-50 split, and you'll be able to rely on that, and the, and the legislature cannot ignore it. And then you put in, and you'd have to put in something like a spending cap, too, to sell it. Right? Because the way that they're doing it now is not sustainable, where the dividend comes out of whatever's left after we set the budget well that's not sustainable because over time the the yeah, dividend gets like, smaller and smaller like, and smaller as the government spending does it and that's why dunleavy could have put out a four-year plan to say here's how we're going to get to a three thousand dollar dividend we're going to cut a billion dollars over the next four years and we're going to do it in this fashion and then that and every bit we cut from the the government budget will end up going to the dividend so you could grow the dividend because i think a lot of these if you've done it in a phased approach right so like senior benefits for example so the seventy-five dollars is the is the smallest of the three tiers. It goes from like seventy-five up to like two hundred and ten mm-hmm. or something per month. So you say, look, all right, look, I'm going to zero out the seventy-five dollar a month appropriation because get this, you pay out the the regular dividend that more than offsets seventy-five dollars a month that you would be taking away from the senior benefit program, right? So you say, hey, you know, the UA is going to have to raise tuition, but get this. So if they raise it by a thousand dollars, well, look. We just gave you, you know, three thousand dollars in a dividend that you can use some of that money towards paying your tuition. So you could make these arguments that say, like, look, we're going to reduce these things that the, the state is spending right now, and we're going to put that money in the seniors' hands or the students' hands or whatever, so that they can spend it on their education or they can, you know, spend it to keep their lights on, you know, or whatever. We're going to give it to them directly through the dividend, not through this senior benefit. Yeah, no, I mean, so when, there's when, ways when, they could have done when, this when, thing, when, when it know? becomes a fucking year, yearly moving target. Yeah, you know, they kind of. I mean, because Walker did it, and everybody blames Walker, and he did it. He vetoed it. But the next two years or three years, he didn't do it. Yeah, the legislature did it. Oh, and, they were and, cheering. They didn't even. They didn't even talk about overriding him when he did it because they were all so happy that he did it and took the heat for doing yeah, it. Yeah, he took. He took. He took all and, the heat. And then when the when the court case came down and said they didn't have to follow the formula, they were just jumping for joy because now they can just set. Because then they set it at what eleven hundred in a in seventeen. An off year, and, it was and, then, and then what happened in 2018, yeah. an election year? Woo! They bumped it up to 1600 <laughs> in the election. Let's year. shoot them up a little bit, you know. So, and that's why that having this fight next year is going to be even worse. Well, I've been saying if they don't change the formula or figure something out, make right. a deal. Um, it, it's and the problem is even if they change the formula in statute, it's meaningless because the Supreme Court has already said yeah. you don't have to follow your appropriating statutes if you pass them. It's 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 just you know I did a podcast with David Teal there a few weeks mm-hmm. ago and you know the legislative finance, finance director yeah. and and he told me something that's uh I think kind of sums us up. I, I asked him other you know do you go to meetings or conferences with other your counterparts in other states? He goes, "Yeah, a couple, you know, once a year or something we go and and uh, I I kind of said, "What do they what do they think about Alaska?" And he goes, "They they think we're insane. They just la- they laugh at us. You have all this fucking money." Mm-hmm. You, you, you pay people, you have no taxes, and people are, like, mad. Right. And, and he, right. he said at one point, when we had 16 or 17 billion saved, um, the, the, the metric or kind of the, the target for states is to have 5% of their budget in savings, right? 
So at one point, we had 300%. Yeah. Because we had so much money saved. Right. And he said during that period of time when we had so much money saved, when they had the, like, the, 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 these conferences, when they, when they had this panel or the discussion mm. about, like, how much states have saved and when they compared everything, they actually took Alaska out of the discussion because we represented, like, half of all the savings of all the states. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. sorry, you guys can't really, like, you can be in the room, but you yeah. can't be in the No, like, it's, it's unbelievable mix. that we have $70 billion in assets and can't get our stuff together around here. I try to I mean, explain. Yeah, yeah, you're, so, you're from out of state. So you, mm-hmm. do you ever try to explain to your friends this situation? It's, I can't do it. It's it's just, yeah, it's, it's very difficult to try to explain uh, to folks. You know, and I think that it's a huge miscalculation or political miscalculation by by Dunleavy, by Babcock, or by whoever, that they thought that there's going to be some sort of uprising in the streets that uh, they're only distributing a billion dollars in dividend checks this year. I mean... <laughs> I think that was a huge miscalculation. Did they did they really think that the the pitchforks were gonna, were going to be out for for Giesel and Edgman over sixteen hundred dollar dividend? Because most people, I mean, that are in you know in in my age group and in my professional type, you know, are what none of us care. We don't care about how yeah. big the dividend is. It's just a nice little thing you get it you know once a year. Nobody relies on it. You know, I use it to you know go out of state and go see basketball games and stuff. I don't spend, and, and, I don't spend and I appreciate dinner. there are people that rely on it, but the same that those people who rely on it, they also rely on, you know, service, like right. government services. Right. And, you know, and I can see the argument that said, Hey, look, if you're a family of four living in poverty and you give a family of four living $12,000, I mean, that could be almost a full year's worth of rent. Yeah. No, that's a, that's you know? a point. And so, that, I, so I can, I, you know, I, I understand uh, where they're coming from, but there's also, you know, <laughs> This uh, this part of me when you, when you look at the uh, I don't know the the reasons for the dividend or that you should somehow or that we should pay taxes that some people should pay taxes so you can pay out a full dividend well then it's not now it's not a dividend anymore or uh, it's it's just it's so silly to me that we we've got this situation where people think this three thousand dollars and then the other argument that that they make that this money was extracted from the economy. You know, we we're so used to not paying taxes in Alaska that we don't even know what a tax is. They're taxing the PFD by $1600. No. You're not taxing the you you, you cannot tax That's like, like when you win the can, when you win the lottery. It's like right. oh, oh you pay taxes pay ta- when you win the yeah, lottery. Yeah, but it's still yeah. I mean you win the lottery, yeah. you pay a dollar, you get right. you know, a million, right. you got to pay fuck. I mean, the, so you cannot extract something that's not there, right? So when they say they extracted a billion dollars by not paying a full dividend, well that money wasn't in the economy. Okay, when you lost 12,000 jobs in the oil and gas and engineering and construction that's an extraction. sectors, th- that's extracting money from the economy. When you when when the UAA or the university system might lay off 1,000 people, that's extracting money from the economy. Absolutely. It's not extracting paying $1,600 instead of 3,000, it's not extracting money from the economy because it's not there. That's why this, the whole ICER statistic about the greatest adverse impact, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's based on a $2,000 dividend that's only been paid once or twice in state uh, history. That's the Brad Keithley so, argument. Uh, so if you wanted to say, like, if the dividend was historically about $2,000 a year and they were talking about reducing it to 1000 I would agree that that's extracting money from the economy. I remember when it was like 900 Yeah. Oh, my first two was like 800 and 870 and $900 were the first two that I got. And the state gained jobs in the years afterwards. When we paid the $1,800 dividend in 2015, lost thousands of jobs in the next year. The PFD does nothing for the job. If you had paid the full PFD the last three years, that wouldn't have saved one oil job, wouldn't have saved one construction job, wouldn't have saved a single engineering job or architect job. The PFD wouldn't have supported any of those jobs, would not have kept any of those jobs from leaving the state. Would have supported some but there's people furniture. Act like if we had paid the dividend, we wouldn't have been in a recession. Would have supported some furniture just, jobs. <laughs> well, yeah. Car jobs. I mean, that's another thing. You know, it, when people talk, <laughs> that, yeah, it, it, I've seen Keithley make that argument too about where, where oil industry spending, well, you know, a lot of that is on procuring stuff out of state and it comes up here and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, what do you think when somebody buys a snow machine? It wasn't manufactured in Alaska. <laughs> that money's not staying in Alaska. It's going to the manufacturer. It's going to the parent company or the retailer Kawasaki. or whatever. You know, it may support perhaps some, some to some extent, some, some year-round retail jobs. But as far as supporting six-figure-plus uh, oil jobs, mining jobs, construction jobs, engineering jobs. PFD doesn't save any of those jobs. You could have no. paid the three thousand dollar dividend, and you still would have lost twelve thousand jobs. So the idea that the, the PFD is some sort well, of there's, there's also boost some percentage, is, and there's a debate about how much exactly that is. But I mean, it goes to the federal income tax, right? People, a lot of people go on vacations, yeah, 
There's, yep. And then, you know, and there's garnishments on fines. I wonder and, who does you know, the best. Child stuff. support and all that kind of stuff. I wonder, I wonder who does the best. Maybe like Alaska Airlines. They, they probably do pretty well. There's, yeah. I wonder who you does know, the best. Best the, Buy and, and everything. You know, the, the money. Saddlers. A huge chunk of it goes out of state. I was like, if you, if you guys are dumb enough to give me $3,000, first thing I'm going to do is going to write a check for 750 to the IRS. Because I don't want to. I, I pay. The, reason, the only reason I end up having to pay taxes at the end of the year is because of the dividend. Yeah. You know, my withholding is basically to the penny. So I'm fitting there on turbo tax, you know, punch everything, punch everything. You owe a dollar or, you know, you get a dollar back or something like that. I mean, it's to the penny. Then I punch in the dividend, you owe, you know? So like if I get a $3,000 dividend, the first thing I'm doing is writing a check for $750 because I usually end up paying about 25%. Yeah, I do my little tax thing and the, the, it, 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 you add something and it goes up or down a little bit. Yeah, you know, and exactly. Then you pipe in dividend. Yep, there it goes. <laughs> yeah, so like the first thing I'm gonna do is gonna have to write a, a, a big check to the IRS right off the bat and then I'm gonna start shop, get on StubHub and <laughs> start looking at when the Celtics Basket, are playing on the West Coast. Basketball. <laughs> so I guess go, you know, I mean, we got this recall thing and we've been going for almost an yeah. hour, but I mean, what do you just generally with now the Ben Stevens change and there is a change happening. Um, there's this recall effort kind of looming right now. They met right, it all over the state. Right. I mean, what do you what do you see happening here in the I next? The, I mean, the recall it's 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 almost so much like, you know, the Trump impeachment, you know, or the Mueller report. There, people are being sold this sort of false hope that this oh, if we all band together, we can uh-huh. get rid of Dunleavy. It's not going to happen, people. You know, and the people are they're just selling this idea. Like, oh, we're going to get these signatures, and oh, we can do it. Uh, no, you can't, because guess what's going to happen? They're going to go to Kevin Meyer in Division of Elections, try to get certified, and he's going to have an opinion, a legal opinion from Kevin Clarkson that's going to say, no, this doesn't meet the legal standards for the a Kevins. recall, and it's going to get and it's going to get denied, and so then they're going to appeal that to Superior Court, and then depending on how long that takes, then Superior Court will rule one way or the other, and then whoever loses is going to appeal it to the Supreme Court, and then the Supreme Court is going to eventually have to adjudicate it. It's going to be 2021 probably before we have any legal resolution to whether you can even do a recall election. And then what are you going to do? You're going to have a recall election in 2021, a year before he's up for re-election anyway in 2022. You know, all these people who are out here gathering signatures, go to Claire House and volunteer. They need help. You know, you, you want, you're camping out in Valley of the Moon? Go down to Brother Francis. They need help. Go down to Beans Cafe. They need help. You know, there's so much more productive things people could be doing with their time than having rallies and gathering signatures trying to do a recall effort that is going to fail. There's never been a recall petition that's been certified in the state of Alaska. It's just not going to happen. They tried to go after the they reasons try, that they're They tried to go after Hickel and, and Coghill. But because they, they were kind of, I think they were kind of getting pretty. They were AIP yeah, and they I mean, were trying to do some. Yeah, I mean, this legal opinion, you know, that the recall people put out, it's got. There was the Kyle Johansson in 2011 and Lindsey Holmes in 2013, and both of those failed to get certified and never went anywhere. Uh, yeah, Lindsey just it, switched parties, right? Like, and right. so, and so, the idea that the Supreme Court is going to say that Dunleavy should be recalled over the, the the court vacancy that he eventually did fill. He didn't do it in the 45 days, but he eventually filled the vacancy. You know, the stuff on the Facebook ads or, or whatever, this, the claim of incompetence uh, over the the Medicaid funding, which can be remedied. You know, None of this stuff is going to rise to the level where the Supreme Court's going to say, yeah, you can recall this governor for, for exercising his so constitutional I was, t- I was told by somebody who's, uh, I, I consider them to be more or less impartial. Um, they said that the, the court's... Um, are hesitant to, to get involved and to, to, to They're not going to touch this with a 10-foot pole. Well, they were, this, this is, person was saying he thinks they would not want to block an effort by the people if they had... So I, I, I have no idea. It's never really I, happened. So that's, well, you know, look at, look at the stand for... I, I, uh, I wonder if the courts have... I mean, they shouldn't, and they, this mm-hmm. is the whole thing about impartial, but I wonder if they have any anger animosity about you know he cut the budget for the abortion he didn't he didn't appoint the judge i mean they've made comments right. about the the out of control court i wonder if they're like well fuck you man yeah i mean you would they shouldn't would do hope, that right no, i mean they shouldn't no, do that. you would you would hope that that wouldn't enter into it and that's where i think they would steer very clear of looking like they're being political actors in this because the system for remedying if you don't like dunleavy well there's an election next year where the entire house of representatives is up and I think these Anchorage Republicans are going to have to think real long and hard about how much they're going to stand with the cuts to the UA, the cuts to Medicaid, and how that's going to impact Anchorage. And if they go ahead and stick with him on this, they're going to be in a bunch of trouble, I think, in 2020. So that's your remedy. Go after the legislators that he's relying on right now. And then two years after that, you can, you can try to vote him out of office. But to waste so much time and energy on this recall effort that is not going to go anywhere. I'll, I'll bet you a bottle of Booker's. <laughs> right now, uh, I'll bet you a bottle of Booker's that this goes. This well, goes I was nowhere. there yesterday, and you know, I, th- I thought it was just. I thought it was odd. If I was a legislator, mm-hmm. I don't care. I mean, in, in, unless the person was 
mur- like murdered somebody. Right. Ivy Svonholtz and Harriet Drummond showed up to the event and not just showed up, but they spoke at yeah. it. And, and Ivy it's was, you know, kind book. of fire Dunlavy and, you know, and then, I mean, other, other, Zach Fields was there. He didn't speak. Mm-hmm. You know, Christopher Collins yeah. and Forrest Dunbar. There was a lot of people over there who didn't speak, mm-hmm. but I can kind of say, okay, maybe see what's going on. Yeah. But, you know, Ivy, Ivy and Harriet were speaking. Yeah. And I just don't know. I, I think that's. I a don't think it's very appropriate. Move. No, and, yeah. and you know, but but people Ivy are to, people are getting this emotional people, release from it. People saying can, Ivy wants to run. I mean, she, out there she wants to run for mayor, and I asked her about it, and she said, you know, she's not. She's considering it. She's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. A, it's not a false rumor. So well, I, I don't know if that's something you want to alienate a lot of people. Yeah, it, it's just I just feel like it's such a waste of energy. You know, if these people really want to make a difference in some of these things they care about, there's so many better. But things you got to admit, I mean, they do. I, they, I mean, I, I, I granted, I'm sure they were. Nobody voted for Dunlavey, but I saw pictures. I was at the Anchorage one, a mm-hmm. couple hundred people. Fairbanks one seemed, I mean, they are getting people to. Oh, I know. No, I don't. It is I kind of a movement. I don't, I, don't, I don't discount the enthusiasm that's on their side. And I think that's where people are, where, where Dunlavey has really screwed up because he's de- demoralized his base because, you know, the, the, the again, the Lisa Murkowski moderates part of his base, the business community. It has has soured on him and his and th- their morale is now low and he's energized the other side the opposition to him so and this opposition is going to be you know we saw it with Trump right 2018 midterms the Democrats take back over the House it happened in 2010 where after o- Obamacare got rammed through yep. and what happened he lost the House in bigly fashion that I think 63 or something like that seats flipped in the U S house that year in 2010. So like you, there's so many examples of where if you try to go too far, too fast or, or whatever, and you energize your opposition, you end up paying a price. And I think Dunleavy is, is getting to a point where he's going to could be paying a very significant price next year because it seems like right now, I mean, I listen to this point, we'll see what happens with Ben. I think that's a good sign that he sort of recognized reality that this is not going well with Tuckerman in charge of my office. So we'll see how things go with Ben and whether he can kind of turn around some of the bad relationships and some of the support that he's lost. Um, but that's what people's focus needs to be on, not this recall petition, because it's it's not going to happen. I think a lot of people are getting too emotionally invested in thinking they can do this. And I, I agree with you. It is it is a release for people. I mean, they're angry yeah. and you're angry. And how, how, do do you, how do you express anger? You want to, yeah. you know, yeah. how do you express your anger? How do you... Yeah. Well, I think, I'm doing part yeah, of the recall. But what if, if you, think about it, if you had whatever, how many people you think were there at Cuddy Park yesterday? Would you? Hundred, couple hundred, maybe. Yeah. How much difference if they all went down or spread out across town and volunteered and went out around to start helping the people that they say they care about? You know, well, and, 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 and the wild, really the, the wildest thing that I noticed. The last thing I'll say is um, when there was, we were at Cuddy Park, we're at the amphitheater, right across the way there, across the the grassy area, there were some tents in the in the woods, mm-hmm. right there, mm-hmm. and. Look, I see a little girl running over there, and the parents are freaking out because these people are yelling and screaming and like f- drinking for sure and fight like scre- mm-hmm. woman's like screaming. I go over there, what's going on? Is something, something wrong? And there's people living in the tents, like four or five tents, right there, mm-hmm. right across while this event's going on, and only a few people are paying attention to it. Right, and and it's like the symbolism there is you know pretty kind of yeah, pre- yeah. Pretty, pretty, I, I think people should, strong. They should. There's nothing wrong with being mad. There's nothing wrong with with wanting to do something. I just think this is not going to actually go anywhere, and so they should take their that energy and that anger and direct it towards something and where even, they can actually and, where they and, can make a difference and, and even, try to help some people. And even if it does, I, I totally think you're right. It's it's a it's a year or year. I mean, it's a long time. At least a year, because because they're I guarantee you they will they will slow walk the heck out of this. You know, because there's a certain amount of time they probably have between when the, the the petition gets turned in with when he has to make a decision. I'm sure they'll take every day that they need. To oh, do sure, that. Yeah, sure. And then, you know, then it's going to go into the superior court system. And then how long that's going to case. And then you got to brief both sides, got to have briefing. And then you got to have oral arguments. Then whether the judge rules from the bench or then takes or takes time to issue a ruling. And then when somebody appeals, now it has to be briefed to the Supreme Court and then argued. And then they're going to take a, a period of time before they make a decision. I, it's just going to take so long. I wonder why consume I wonder, so much energy that could be better spent. I think. I wonder why there was never a, a effort to recall Walker, a serious effort to recall Walker. I mean, I want, and people talk. They, they all make this noise. Oh, let's recall. Let's recall. Let's recall. Right, both sides are doing it. The, the PFD defenders are. Try, I want to recall Giesel. I mean, she's up for election next year. Yeah, I know. It's, what are you trying? You, <laughs> you're trying to stupid. recall Giesel, who's up for election in 2020. Like, where's the recall Edgman page? Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody in Dillingham is trying to recall Bryce Edgman. I, mean, I, I just wonder, I mean, there's so much they, anger about, I mean, yeah. they, they, a lot of people were mad about the dividend when it happened. Remember, it, you remember, it was mm-hmm. fucking crazy. Yeah. But there was never an effort to, I mean, there was never a serious effort, organized effort to recall. No. I mean, there was never a 
signature gathering. No. There was never the the PFD is not the animating factor for the majority of Alaskans. I think the elections have shown that because legislators who voted for a smaller dividend didn't really pay the price. Uh, there, uh, there's lots of people who voted for a smaller dividend that that were reelected. Uh, so, and then when you look at the votes in the legislature this year, if if the PFD, if they, if they were hearing from the, their constituents on how important they thought the PFD was, and it was to the level that the opposition is going, you would see the votes be different. But it's not, no, he's losing. So the best public opinion poll we have is how the legislature is voting right mm-hmm. now, and Dunleavy's on the wrong side of it. So he can either accept that reality, or he can keep pushing us into this sort of chaotic situation we have right now so well andy we'll, uh we'll see how it goes andy j yep, uh, my man go. you got the dave steering uh deal got to head the, down there you get the yeah. big show coming up the big shoe all right big shoe all right well uh, we'll do this again i always Absolutely. enjoy talking to you you're uh, you're an interesting guy so thanks again always fun all right guys if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast with me get a hold of me and we'll talk to you next time Landline.